All right. This is the New Glarus Brewing Podcast with Dan Carey. We do not have Dan Carey today, but that is okay because I am very excited about who we do have. We have two of our street team members, Ryan Schweckel and Greg Schumacher. And these are the guys who you'll see driving around in those uh, absolutely gorgeous forest green mm-hmm. Jeeps with the New Glarus uh, decals all over them and the fancy pants license plates that read <laughs> stuff like Spotted Cow, Moon Man, and Only in Wisconsin. How are you guys doing today? We're doing great. Thanks for having us. Yeah, awesome. I'm I'm very excited about this because um, I discovered uh, probably a, a little later in life than most people do. I love driving. <laughs> like for sure, I, I I just love being behind the wheel and like, all right, I got a few hours yep. here where I'm not going to have to do anything else. And I take it you guys probably do a, a lot of driving in your job. Yeah, that's a that's a fair way to put it. For sure. <laughs> So, so I wanted to get to know you guys a little bit. Um, and we'll start with you, Ryan. What, what were you doing before you came here to New Glarus to try to sell uh, Wisconsin's most popular craft beer? Good uh, question. So I've been in the industry now for about 20 years. Wow. I've been at New Glarus for about 14 years now. But uh, the backstory is I grew up in a beer family. My dad worked for Miller Brewing Company and retired there about five years ago. Both my older brothers worked for beer wholesalers in Milwaukee. Mm-hmm. And when it was time to graduate high school, I tried to get into the military. They wouldn't take me. But that's a whole <laughs> Different, that's a different like, that's podcast. Even, that, that seems like a rare occurrence. Yeah, but they wouldn't allow me in. So it was, what should I do? And instead of going to college at that time, I went and worked for a distributor in Milwaukee called Beachwood Distributing. Mm-hmm. So they represent New Glarus and Anheuser-Busch and a, probably about a couple hundred different uh, beer portfolios. Spent six years there. And when I was 26, decided to join uh, a company that owns Sparks and Steel Reserve. If you remember Sparks, that caffeine alcohol drink. Oh, oh yeah. I yeah. was I was a line cook for like a decade. Okay. And uh, there, uh, there was probably more than one occasion where a Sparks was cracked yes. mid-shift. <laughs> yeah. Well, once they uh, they made that illegal with the caffeine in there, yeah. and then we got bought out by Miller Brewing Company. So I spent three years with Miller Coors, and then Deb reached out, and there was an opportunity to come to New Glarus, and been here ever since. She can't get rid of me. <laughs> well, that's, all, that's always good. The, 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 I'm going to stick around. For sure. You're going to have to tell me to leave at some point. Yeah, I mean, you hear it all the time. Deb says when she hires you here, she wants you to retire here. So it's 14 years, and hopefully another 14 Depending on how this podcast goes. Yeah. So we'll, yeah, we'll see. We'll, hopefully crossed. we won't get you fired today. <laughs> Thank you. And, and how about you, Greg? Yeah, uh, kind of a similar story, but a little bit of a, a different start to it. Uh, I went to school at Whitewater and uh, studied abroad in the Czech Republic and realized uh, at about a 19-year-old age that beer could both be affordable and good. I was used to it just being affordable. Uh, yeah. So I knew at that moment that I, uh, I wanted to get into craft beer and into beer in general. Uh, I just had no idea how. So I was in marketing and, and management at Whitewater and took some odd jobs out of college and finally wound up at Beechwood, very similar distributor that, that Treckle was at. Um, worked for them for about five years. Uh, got to work with Ryan. He was at New Glarus at the time. Uh, left Beechwood to go to a different supplier, kind of covering the eastern half of Wisconsin for another craft brewery um, and enjoyed my time there, but really have always inspired to work for New Glarus, just the way they go about market and, and do things. It was uh a much better cultural fit. New Glarus doesn't for hire sure. very often. So I uh, had the opportunity to apply for a job and called Ryan to, yep. to ask if I should. And he highly encouraged it. And that was uh, almost six years ago. Mm-hmm. So similar, I've been in the craft beer industry uh, about 11 years at this point now, but loving it. 
That's that's really cool. So both of you, so both of you guys are sort of, you know, you had, you said you you were into the beer family, and and your experience in the Czech Republic sort of opened your eyes, uh, opened your eyes to what sort of beer could be and what yep. and what it was doing. So both of you were like, I, I want to get into the beer business. Yeah, for me, growing up, uh, I was always told I talk too much. So mm-hmm. it's like, what kind of job could I do that's fun and I can use? my gift of talking and it was uh, the beer industry and sales side of it. So kind of just got brought in and it would it never felt like work. I mean, you're going out to don't get me wrong. There's some challenging days, but you go out to stores and bars and it kind of just seems like a fun little day and you get paid for it. So it's made it into a career. <laughs> yeah. Similarly for me, it was, uh, I, I couldn't imagine myself sitting behind a desk. So I knew I wanted yep. to be something that was out and about and, being behind a wheel and visiting customers yep. and things to me is it's awesome. Every day is so different who you see and what part of the world you, you end up in. And um, so it was something for me that I, I love beer in, in general and it was a passion. So it made not going to work that much yep. easier. For sure. <laughs> so, so in Wisconsin, we do, we have the three tiered system and both yep. of you worked for, it seems like a couple of, of different distributors. What were the main differences between working for like the distributor and then working on the manufacturing side? Cause it, it seems to me, you guys are sort of like the, the bridge that sort of, uh, uh, you bridge that gap between, sure. you know, distributing and manufacturing. So what does your days look like when you're going to these accounts and how's that different from when you were with the distributor? Yeah, I think the the biggest difference with a distributor to a, the brewery side is we are trying to influence stores and bars to buy our beer. We don't actually control the orders that go in. So you have to maintain these relationships with your distributors and the sales reps themselves to make sure that they're always thinking of you, Nuglaris, and getting your brands in these stores and bars, which can be challenging. There's, mm-hmm. like I said, they have a couple hundred thousand. No, that's that's too much. A couple thousand <laughs> different SKUs in there. Well, we're not we're not too far away from a couple of like tens of thousands. I mean, there is a lot. But trying to get them to always think of New Glarus front of mind when there is that jump ball draft line or a new spot in a cold box at a store. So you're constantly trying to maintain those relationships. Yeah. I mean, the distributors have, have their focus on, you know, a whole host of different things and, and targets and goals and objectives and yep. volumes. Um, so for us to really be able to hone in on, on one brand, um, mm-hmm. it gives us a, a lot more, flexibility and, and kind of, um, attention to detail. For sure. Uh, we're obviously, if you've listened to a few of these, uh, the brewery has something in common that quality drives everything else. And, and that is what makes our role on, on a supplier side, especially the nuclear side. So different from so many other suppliers is that we drive that, that quality that the brewers use every day to put quality product mm-hmm. out into a, a package, a keg, a bottle, whatever it is that that same quality is being transferred onto the shelf so that our customers are buying the best possible thing they can. So. And so, so Ryan, what, what territory do you cover in, in Wisconsin? So when I first started here, I had all of Eastern Wisconsin okay. and Eau Claire as well. <laughs> so I, I had, I think I had a seven wholesalers at that time. Now we've just hired a few more field reps. So I think, are we up to seven now total? Okay. And so I mainly have Southeastern Wisconsin, Milwaukee and the seven counties surrounding that. And then I also kind of assist up in Eau Claire and the Chippewa Falls area. Mm-hmm. And that's my main territory. And how about you, Greg? Yeah, similarly, I, I got my start in the same footprint that Ryan is talking about, um, and I've progressed into uh, managing two other distributors kind of that cover north central Wisconsin. So I covered uh, our Green Bay distributors, so Green Bay County and then all the way up into Door County. 
and I help with our uh, Lee Beverage Group, which covers a, a good chunk of the middle of the state. So I spend a lot of time in Fond du Lac, Oshkosh, Appleton, Wausau, kind of that. that Greg's part. got a lot of windshield time. <laughs> I, as I, you I, can hear. Yeah, I was going to say. So we. So for those of you who don't know, New Glarus is sort of situated basically at the bottom, the bottom of the bottom third of the state, right in the middle. So there's yep. a, a whole lot of Wisconsin that sort of radiates yep. out ahead of us. So we're, we're talking about a, a lot of time in those, in those Jeeps for yep. you guys. Uh, Greg, how do you find that, that experience? You know, it's, it's really, uh, it's unique because I listen to a lot of podcasts, so it's unique to be on this side of, uh, of the, the station this time, which is kind of fun. But um, yeah, I mean, it is, you, you look at Wisconsin on a map and it doesn't look like it could be that large, but I mean, it's seven hours from corner to corner yeah. if you're, you know, headed up to the superior part of the world. Oh yeah. Um, so it, it can be a, a lot. Um, but again, you, you mentioned we're driving around in a, a pretty cool car. We, we get uh, Jeep Wranglers that the brewery provides us, which is awesome. Um, and for the record, please do continue to wave at us. If we <laughs> don't wave back, we're not being rude. Uh, we're, we're very used to it. Uh, it just doesn't always register. So you're, you're absolutely right. It makes it a lot of fun. You sometimes probably forget like, oh yes, I, I am in a new Glarus wrap Jeep right now. <laughs> there are many times that you're driving and it's a very similar stretch of road. Uh, we both live in the Milwaukee area. Yeah. And so driving back, it's, where are you? And it's like, oh, I don't know. Did I pass Johnson Creek? Yeah. I, I, don't, I don't remember. I, so. Did I see the go-karts? Yep, <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, it is, it's, it's getting used to spending some time in the car. Um, our sales team in general does a very good job of, of being very friendly to each other. So it's yeah. not uncommon to spend an hour on the phone with somebody who is also driving a, a decent ways that, that day or checking in with somebody on the way home and talking about how, how their day went versus our day. Um, but it is, it takes a little bit of getting used to. There's not a lot of I think that's the most interesting thing about being a salesperson for a brewery on the road. Um, we have about 125 employees here and seven of us are not at, physically at the brewery except maybe once every 14 days. Oh yeah. And we all just saw, I mean, I think uh, we just had our big brewers bash yep. and uh, I think that was the first, one of the like rare times I saw all of you, all of you, uh, all you guys in the same place for, at the, yeah, at the it, same time. It doesn't happen often, you know, for safety purposes. But, um, <laughs> but the challenge I think is that you, you just try to make sure you're always in the know of what's going on at the brewery and it gets lonely on the road. You know, mm -hmm. you have the podcast and stuff to keep you going, but you have to reach out to your fellow uh, coworkers just to bounce ideas and see, are you experiencing what I'm seeing down in the Milwaukee market? Uh, have you had any issues with this, what I have issues going on? So it's, it's a good time to like get your thoughts out of your head before you go home to the family so you can be present. You know, I think that's probably the biggest challenge. Yeah. I think that's one of the most eye opening things to me is, is how different, obviously we only sell beer in one state, but the mm -hmm. markets are so drastically different. Yep. What oh, sells yeah. in Madison yep. versus what sells in Milwaukee. For sure. Versus what sells in Eagle River is completely and utterly different. How some of these national breweries try and, and put brands out that cover an entire country or you know multiple countries for that matter is just mind-boggling to us. Yeah. We will have conversations about brands that we have where it's like, oh, my distributor's out of this. And it's like, oh, my goodness, that, that brand didn't do nearly that well in my part of the world. Like, what can we do? And so it is unique that uh, the brands translate so well across the state compared to you know some of the other, For sure. other well, breweries. Yeah, and Wisconsin is sort of a funny state like that where we have uh, – I always think we have hostile uh, rivalries with our neighboring states, yep. but then we have friendly rivalries with like the next town over and especially like the next city over. Like yep. it, it's, it's really it kind is. of a funny state that way, and especially when you start getting in the up north versus down south debate, which is oh, yeah. any place in Wisconsin being considered down south is weird to me. <laughs> but I'd say on a, it, it's a fun thing to be part of this brewery and representing New Glarus because 
you go to some of these towns and you feel like a little mini celebrity going around. Mm -hmm. Like if, when I go to Lake Geneva or Kenosha, like it's like they throw a parade for me. Everybody's excited to see me and they're happy I'm there. And then I go home and my wife's like, why are you home? You know, like it's, it's two different worlds. So it's, it's fun getting out there and getting to hear these stories from people of why they love the brewery and, and, Oh, I took some beer out to my friend in Colorado or we took barrels to a wedding. And it's just, you hear these little stories and it just reiterates how special of a, a brewery this is. You know, well, yeah, and and we've talked a lot about the making of beer and the packaging of beer and the care for beer. We we haven't talked a lot about actually selling beer, right? Thank you for not including us in that one. How to brew the beer because we don't we wouldn't be very good at it. So, well, it does it does sort of probably present some unique challenges yeah. because this is sort of an idiosyncratic brewery in the sense that you know you don't see you don't. I mean, there's the Welcome to Wisconsin signs yep. that are out there and stuff like that. But it's not like a swag heavy brewery. It's mm -mm, not like a nope. marketing heavy brewery. So what kind of challenges or benefits does that sort of present for, for you guys? Yeah, coming from the old position I was in, it was it was a very event driven uh, brewery that I was working for. And at the time, I, you know, I was younger in life and it was it was great. But there's only so many nights that you want to be out till midnight and eating cheese curds and yep. waking up at eight o'clock to get back into your distributor meeting or whatever the case might be. It was it was fun, but it definitely took a toll on the body. So the fact that we go to market so drastically different is, is a uh, really, really unique, but it's also a lot of fun. Um, cause we talked about how diverse the state is in terms of accounts and what sells. I mean, I can walk into any corner bar in the state that I love to frequent as a, as a customer and know as a, as a job, I have something I can sell them that will work for, for sure. them. Mm -hmm. Or on the flip side of things, I can go into the craftiest place in the state that, you know, does only high end crazy rare beers. And it's like, I have something to talk about there as well. So it's really awesome that the brewery makes such a diverse selection of beer that makes my job that much easier to, to literally knock on anyone's door, any grocery store, yep. any liquor store, and know that I can help them sell some product. And, and that wasn't always the case. And what's really cool too, Deb has really instilled a mindset to us that she's like, I don't want you to go out there and hard sell. Mm -hmm. And let's be honest, like our brands have, they speak for themselves where we don't have to go out there and be that typical pushy rep where we can really go out and just say, thank you for your business. And a lot of times that opens up doors and opportunities for us to get more things on, on draft or in these stores. But I think you were asking, what are some of the, the biggest challenges? And we don't take for granted how much beer we sell in the state and how many accounts we have, but our time is so limited that we can't be to every account that we would like to, to say thank you and see how they're doing. I think that's probably the biggest challenge that there's so many great accounts in the state and we can't be at all of them all the time. And there's a lot of special events that happen and we typically have to decline those offers because mm -hmm. Deb spent many years doing the job that we're doing and she knows the challenges that come with it, specifically the home life that if you're out all night, like Greg said, at a promotion and then back in the road the next morning, your family life is going to suffer. Oh, yeah. So that's where she's really asked us to really dial in the amount of events we do and, and try to make sure that we are home with our families every night. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if this has ever come up in a podcast before, but it's, it's a great note that we have very unique hours at the brewery, 10 to 5 which seems like very short hours for a brewery, if yeah. you think about it. And the main reason, at least from what Deb's always shared with us, that she wants all of her employees to be home for dinner with their families every night. And it's like, what other companies do you do you see that have that mindset, you know? Oh yeah, and you, and, and, you know, in and, and speaking with her, you, you, you do, you get the sense that that isn't, uh, that, that that's born out of like, you know, I had to do that yeah. for years when yep. this thing was started. Like, 
you know, going to middle Wisconsin or, or wherever, getting yep. back, you know, 10, 11 at night, yep. getting back up to work, you know, work the office or, or fill in on a shift here. And it's just, you know, making that premium of, yeah, even, even the people we're going to be sending to Hudson, yep. you know, should have plenty of time coming, sure. coming back down here yep. to spend with their families and things like that. So there's that balance, but it, there's a, there's a great balance here at the brewery of our, our day-to-day life and our home life, which is great. Makes, makes our wives and spouses really happy. So yeah, it's it's uh, a big honor for me. I mean, we try and do we treat everyone on on a level playing field, right? Everyone gets the same pricing across the state. Everyone has the same opportunities. And, and Ryan's point of if you say yes to somebody, it's so hard to say no to the yep. next. And so if, mm-hmm. if you start saying yes to, to everyone, you'll never be home and, yep. and you'll go crazy. Um, so one of the things that we try to do really really hard is is give everyone that same opportunity. So we've come up with programming for the on premise and the off premise that everyone has the ability to to take advantage and kind of do some promos and run run some of our beers on their own because mm-hmm. it's great for people to to want to come and meet me, but I'm really not that special. You I'm, are you're uh, you're an owner as well. <laughs> so am I. We're, we're it's a big deal here. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Well, yeah, we are in an employee owned brewery. We all just for got sure. our uh, our employee owner uh, certificates. We did. And yeah. That was awesome. I'm I'm really stoked on that. I'm gonna hang that in my office. Mine's and, already hung up. Yeah. You, you can't take that back from me. It's mine now. <laughs> But we have been talking about events and, and yep. stuff like that. And, and you, Ryan, you've been here 14 years. How long, how long have you been here? It'll be six coming up here. Pretty, six, pretty quick. six. What are some of the events around the state that you guys, you know, get to do and that you, you look forward to doing every year? Because, you know, as, uh, you know, back when I, I came to Wisconsin, in like, Oh, one or, or, or so, I mean, there, there was always like the great taste of the Midwest that, sure. that was here. Um, but I don't remember in the zeitgeist just the amount of like beer fests and things like that, that were going on in the state, that's really sort of exploded yeah. in the last like 15 years or so. So what are, you know, taking the great takes to the Midwest and saying, of course, that is the premier beer yeah, event yeah, uh, in, sure. in sort of Wisconsin every single year. What are some of the other ones you guys like to, to attend or uh, that you get to work? I think w- one of my favorite, and it's obviously based on logistics and where it's located, the Great Lakes Beer Fest, which used to be in Racine. Now it's in Kenosha. But there's usually about 3,000 people there, and it's 90% Illinois. So once again, I, I'm the most popular person at that beer fest. And it's I think we bring usually nine barrels, and they're gone well before mm-hmm. the event is over. And I think the record we had years ago, we tapped a raspberry tart barrel, and we never closed the faucet. We just It just stayed open. It and just it was, kept going. It was gone within like eight minutes, which was really fun, you know? Yeah, it, uh, it's been amazing to see how many of these festivals have, have popped up. And I think yep. a, a few of them, uh, unfortunately, fell the way of, of the COVID era yeah. and yeah. haven't necessarily come back around. But there are a handful that, that we look forward to every every year. And I think all of us do a good job of trying to divide and conquer. So I think most of us work, you know, four or five of those big weekend events yep. um, every year, um, which is always fun. And a lot of them take you to fun places. Yep. So some of my favorites Um Hops and Props, I think they just changed the name of it this year. And Oshkosh has always been a been a fun one. It's inside the EAA museum, neat, so yeah. it's like oh really? You're drinking a beer and you're looking up at this you know giant World War II aircraft suspended <laughs> from the ceiling, and, and that's always kind of a, a fun event. Uh, obviously, I cover the Door County part of the world, so mm-hmm. uh, anytime we get to go to Door County is a, a good excuse. So we get a four or five hour work, and then we get a 19, 20 hour vacation on top of it. So getting to travel to some of those kind of fun places. Um, One of my favorites is a lot of a smaller scale. There's a bar in the Milwaukee area that does a battle of the breweries. And Mm. three years ago, uh, maybe more with COVID, I missed a year with COVID, but uh, our friends at Lakefront challenged us to a battle of the brewery where we go blind taste test head to head. um, And all the customers come in and get to vote on which beer is which and which one they like the best. And uh, we were lucky enough to, to win the first year and, 
we've uh, been un, unbeaten so far. So we got one more coming up in, in May yep. um, against third space coming soon. And that's a, a much smaller event, but it's, it's just, it's fun a fun to one. See people yeah. uh, kind of get excited yep. about our beer. And it's one of those things we, we hear all the time that you know, we're almost, we're almost too big where everyone has our beer and then it's fun to, have everyone try things that oh, I haven't had that in a long time and it's really good. So, and we're friends with most of these other brewery suppliers. It's such a small world. Oh, I was so going to say it's it's, it's got to it, be a tiny world is. of of road dogs out there yes. in, in the craft so beer any world. Opportunity to give your friends a hard time, especially at this uh, the battle of the brewers. It, it's it, for me at least. I welcome it. I love to give mm-hmm. people a hard time and they give it back to me. So it's it's fun. Yeah, I've got a, a photo of the first year that uh, Jim Clish was there and Dan came out. Uh, kind of was the last minute thing. We weren't yep. expecting him. Uh, and to end the night, they did a rock'em, sock'em robot fight. <laughs> so I have a picture on my phone of, of Dan and, uh, and Jim yep. rock'em, sock'em, roboting. It's, it's kind of That fun. was cool. See, so you, you guys got the, the competitive thing more. I mean, if I, when I won the first one, I've been like, I'm retiring I'm not, and I'm just going to be like undefeated. And that's, I'm going to have I think, that. I think we thought about it. They wouldn't let us. They like, go, nope, you no, got to run gotta it back. So. You, you have to defend the championship. Uh, one of our fellow uh, coworkers, Jake Hay, he gets to organize all that. So hats off to you, Jake. We know it's a lot of work, but you're doing a good job. Proud well, of you. I think it was like three years, uh, three years in a, a, a row. I got to help out with the Door County, Door County yep. Beer Fest. And what I liked about that one is it is sort of just like low key and, yeah. and small, and you know, but you do really get a sense of like how much work it takes to pour beer from. And we were using bottles at that yep. fest because I don't think they had the draft lines just set for that because it's a small beer fest. And bottles toppling just, over in the ice, yeah, just oh. pop, just popping bottles <laughs> yep. and, and pouring beer for people. And it's a lot of fun, but it is a lot of work. It's always extremely humbling for, for me, right? Obviously pounding the, the pavement, you know, Monday through Friday, most weeks and, and talking to people about beer and it sometimes it, it drags on. And then as soon as you work one of these beer festivals and the, the smiles on yep. people's faces when they walk up to you, they're so excited that you're here and they tell you the story the first time they had fat squirrel and how it's the best beer that they've ever drank because of this and whatever. And it's like, wow, it is, it is cool that we have, you know, that kind of influence and impact sure. on, on people's lives and, yep. and they're excited to see us. And it's like, all right, my, my gig is pretty, pretty easy. I get to sit here and there's worse jobs in the world. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Oh yeah. As we were talking about before, it's like when you can sort of make a, you know, you make a career of like, you know, air quotes, working, you know, mm-hmm. it, it's always a good thing when you find it fun in what you do. And, yeah. and, you know, I, I could imagine there's probably a type of person who, you know, being in the car and, and having to talk to tavern owners and, and, and coordinate with distributors, isn't going to be the funnest thing in the world. But if, if you fall into that niche, it seems like it's a really good fit. Yeah. I think going back to what some of the challenges are, it's since the COVID era, uh, there's a lot of rotation of managers in these on-premise accounts specifically. So the cold calling can be the challenge and it's not really cold calling when they already have your products there. Mm -hmm. But every time you go in, there's a new manager in charge and trying to then re-explain the new Glarus story and the new Glarus way and just try to build a relationship. That's, I think, probably one of the bigger challenges the last few years. But yeah, well, I mean, and, and COVID was a, a, you know, a giant disruption For to a, sure. oh, to a routine, yeah. you know, cause when people are in their routine, it, 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 you know, it's an object in motion. It just tends to want to keep on the same track. But when there's that, you know, when there is a big, like, you know, generational defying disruption uh, yep. to that, it, it's, it's hard for people to get back into what they were doing, yeah. especially, especially in on-premise uh, food and beverage. And that led into like trying to get back when these bars opened up after almost, was it 
three, two months, three months they were shut down for. Mm-hmm. We take quality of our product obviously very serious, and we were worried about all of these these tapped barrels on these draft lines at the bars. And we're like, what do we do about this? Because we want fresh beer for these uh, consumers when things open back up. And then we knew the amount of finances and the strain that these retailers had. So Deb and the brewery put together what was called the Freshest Best Program, mm-hmm. where we literally bought back every tapped and untapped barrel that was in the on-premise accounts that might've gone old. And once they were ready to reopen, we got them fresh product on us just oh. to make sure that they were ready to go. Yeah, and that we, was, yeah, that was something I want to talk to you guys about because um, you guys were the ones probably making that phone call, letting them, letting them know that this was a, a program that was going to be happening. Yeah. We reached out to most of our distributors and put together some letters that they could hand out one by one to all of their specific accounts. That's the beauty of the three tier system. Mm. There's only seven of us. We can't get to every account. So us having our 11 wholesalers and those relationships, then they can funnel that information out. But yeah, we, we try to get that information out quickly to let them know that we had their back on that situation. But we all had really good relationships, with a lot of, a lot of accounts. Yeah. And so I think it, uh, it wasn't uncommon for us to get multiple texts in a day going, I, I can't believe you're doing yep. this. There, there's nobody else buying, you know, the beer back and giving you a free full keg to, to make a profit on. But all of us talked about it. And it's like, I can't imagine going to the bar for the first time after, you know, however many months it was for, for whoever you might've been, but having a beer that wasn't up to par was yeah. just not an option. Like that was not, that never crossed our minds. So. But I think Deb even said too, that she knew she was in a situation that the, the brewery could afford the opportunity to take care of the people that built the brewery. And it yeah. felt like the right thing to do in that moment. And, and it still was the right thing. Well, I know? mean, I, I, and like I said, I, I was a line cook for, for many, many years the, the, the margins in, in the restaurant business are not, are, are not lost on me. Yeah. And, you know, and, and I'm just thinking back to my time, even when I they worked my way up to be a kitchen manager. And it's funny when you talk about these like leadership positions mm-hmm. in the restaurant, it's like, it's just a 22 year old kid. Yeah. Like yeah. I, I'm the manager. You learn a lot though real quick. Yeah. But you do learn Try a lot. And um, getting a phone call like, hey, we understand th- this big, huge thing has happened. We're at least going to take care of this this one aspect of yeah. you. Had, I mean, had to be huge when you guys sort of went, when the world sort of came back online again and you guys were getting back, you know, getting For back sure. around the state. I'm sure it's something you guys heard about. Yeah, yeah. We're, we're in such a unique position, especially in, in the state of Wisconsin, because so much of our business is on premise. Uh, mm-hmm. A lot of other, you know, the larger uh, beer manufacturers, that's not necessarily the case. They sell a lot of bottles and cans, but draft isn't a huge deal for them versus us. I mean, pre-pandemic, it was 40% of our beer went through the on-premise yeah. and the vast majority of that was draft. So mm-hmm. when that all kind of got turned off, it was, it was a lot of beer we yep. were talking about. So it was, it was kind of crazy. So it's starting to come back around. And, and last year we saw that number get back up into the 30% range, which yeah. is great. We hope it keeps climbing. But. It seems like across the state, about 90% of the on-premise accounts are back open from yeah. before 2019. So yeah. that, that's probably that number where it's going to probably lie now, I would imagine. Mm-hmm. So when we're talking about uh, sort of, uh, you know, sort of the on-premise versus uh, packaged, uh, packaged beer bottles and cans and yep. stuff. You guys also are working with, um, you know, grocery stores you guys are working with. And, and I think it's, uh, I think it's always funny when I, I hear people say, yeah, you just stop at the quick trip, any quick trip in the state you're, you're going to find a glass. How do you find the differences between dealing with say, like, you know, the pick and save yeah. or, or even like, um, Steve's somewhere like that and, yeah. and the different challenges, uh, that are faced there. Because I know there is, and I'm sorry, this is getting long winded. I'm fig- figuring it out as I go along, but 
there has to be some sort of difference between like, you know, a package store that's going to pride itself on having like the craftiest of the craft and, yeah. and, and like a grocery store that's yeah. looking to move as much beer as they possibly can. You guys want to speak to that sort of dichotomy at all? Yeah, I think um, that's kind of what my role has evolved into now myself and there's our Madison guy, Ryan Palmer, have really taken over a majority of the chains. So pick and save and uh, uh, Target and Walmart, those are our corporate chains that we reach out to a buyer at their central corporate office and really try to let them know about our brands and what our priorities are to see if they line up with their priorities to get products in. But you're 100% right that it's for selling. It's two different worlds for pick and save. There's really no hand selling. A lot of that mm-hmm. happens. Um, I'd say back in November and October, we were pitching them the brands that we want to have put into the spring sets that'll happen coming up in March and April. Yeah. So you have to really be on top of your game six months prior to make sure you get those products in versus a Steve's liquor or discount liquor or autos in Milwaukee that when that product lands at our wholesalers, our reps can come in, tell them the UPC code, the retail cost, and you can get it in there instantly. Yeah. Cause they, so, they want it now right away. Yeah. yeah. So it's uh it's two different worlds. There's a lot of juggling and managing to make sure that those, those chains are ready to go. The big challenge is uh, a lot of times the UPC codes aren't set up in the back door and things don't scan in. So any of our consumers, if you go to a store and you wonder why things aren't there, a lot of times there's a scanning issue, which is causing it not to get in. Yeah. And that was kind of the beauty of, uh, New Glarus Brewery and what Deb built that our six pack carriers all have the same UPC code. So they share a singular UPC code. So when road slush comes out, we don't have to reach out to our chains to get it slotted. It's already approved to get in the back door, which means our consumers get it faster, which is great. Yeah. It's crazy to me how much behind the scenes stuff really does happen. Like you just take for granted that every time you go to the grocery store and you need to buy whatever it is, it's on the shelf. And it's like, it takes, you know, a distributor and a warehouse and a pricing and receiving people to all be on the same page. And it is amazing. Every once in a while you get a call from somebody going, this won't come into Walmart. And it's like, what do you mean? Walmart has been carrying this for (laughs) 25 years. How does it not come in this week? And it's just one store. It's it's so, so unique how that happens. But yeah, the chains have become a a really, really big player. I mean, Wisconsin was very independent driven for, for liquor for a very long time. Um, and the chains have, have put a, a, a very big focus on selling beer, but it is super unique that you can go to any BP in the state and almost every one of them carry beer. Uh, and that's not necessarily true for, for a lot of other states. So we, we have a lot of product in a lot of different avenues and it moves just about everywhere. So it, it is fun for us to get to drive by, you know, any quick trip or any gas station or a lot of Walgreens. And it's like, you can yep. stop in and take a look and, and make sure that our beer is ready to rock and roll and purchase for yeah, I think it's interesting too. You were you were chatting about how to get products in places and and how things are, but like we've really tried to change our narrative. And I guess we always call it we're a craft brewery, but we're really we're more than that now. Mm-hmm. I think we're really this this regional player that uh, this is our state in a nice way, but this is Wisconsin is the home of New Glarus, and we can really control things that trying to get products in, you you have places that are really crafty, some of these stores, but New Glarus kind of falls in this unique category that all of our brands fit what they're looking for, for the most part. And Mm -hmm. we can pretty much get uh, full distribution in these places, which is always our goal if it makes sense. But well, yeah, it sort of transcends the, uh, 
the craft versus whatever. It's sort of the stamp is like, you know, Deb put her thumbprint on, on yep. the state. This is Wisconsin. The, 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 at this point, the goal seems, uh, it seems to be this is Wisconsin's brewery right now. Yeah. You know, and I think our goal is always just kind of maintaining that. And I, I think we're very fortunate that there still is selling that we do on a day to day basis, but most of it's, our distribution's there. A lot of it for us is maintaining the integrity and maintaining that our beer is always the way it is at the brewery. And I think Greg and I, before we did the podcast, we were just kind of joking, like, how do you describe what our job is? Like when people ask us, what do you do? And I'm like, oh, this is such a long winded answer. But really, I mean, sometimes we joke that we're the beer police, mm-hmm. but that's maybe not the right way to put it. But our goal is when a consumer comes into that store or that bar and buys our beer, that it always tastes exactly like they got it at the brewery. It's always fresh at that point. And I think our big concern is we know a lot of beer leaves the state. So a person may buy a 12 pack of cow today and take it home and drink it and it's gone. But if that person lives in Colorado, California, and they share it with a friend, they go, oh, I heard a new Glarus, let me try it. And their first experience is a, a spotted cow or a moon man that's past our recommended shelf life. It's something that we take serious yeah. to, to make sure the quality is always there. Yeah, absolutely. It's something we, we see all the time and, and get phone calls about. And I get questions that, you know, I like to travel and I'll, I'll take new Glarus with as a thank you and dropping things off. And people are always amazed at, you know, how how many places you can get this. Oh, I want to yep. come and pick up some Belgium. Where, where, where can I go? Thinking that it's like every other craft brewery. It's only at these high-end stores. And it's like, just about anywhere that sells yep. our beer should have this Belgium's Atlantic we've been making for 30 years now. And it's like, wait, what? Well, that is that is a very unique thing where it's like, yeah, you can get a you can get a a world class lambic uh, lambic style beer at, at a quick trip uh, yep. because they carry Nuclearis, yep. you know. But I think that's a challenge too. That then it some people perceive that distribution as it's not as special anymore, and it's like, well, we're in one state. Our goal is to make sure our beer can be found everywhere. You know, well, and and, and that's and you brought the UPC code uh, thing, and, and and I'm circling back on this because it, it struck something in my mind that I, I see out there uh, every now and again where. You know, we the core brands of uh, Spotted Cow, Moon Man, Two Women, yep. they're set at the uh, essentially the same price point as the the seasonal brands, right? For sure. Yep. And that's a unique thing that's born out of this sort of this UPC thing, yep. which is essentially done for the convenience of the distributor and the customer. Where I think there would be a temptation for to say, well, there's our, you know our core brands, and then our seasonals should be a little bit more spendy, right, sure. or something like that. But then that requires more back end work, for sure. And just to make it easier on everybody, it was like, yeah, you'll get a world class pilsner made with or, or gyrator, for yep. instance. I saw it when gyrator came out. Yeah. This was basically a beer Dan resurrected a hop for, yeah. <laughs> if I'm remembering correctly, yeah. and really spent years developing, and it was sold at the same price point as as spotted cow yep. and and moon man and. And I'm rambling a little bit, but that to me speaks to the uniqueness of of what their vision was to do and, and why it's it, yeah. it, it can yeah. it can spread you, so wide. There aren't many breweries that do that. I mean, you go out and you look at, at a display from you know most breweries, and they might have six or seven price points on on that display. And it's like, all right, so I have to this one is that. Yep. Is, and for us, it, it's so much easier to walk out and go, nope, that six pack is is this price, and every six pack is that price. And yeah, and the, well, then if you're at a store where you can mix a mix a six or something yep. like that, you don't have to be like, oh, okay. So this one's two forty five. Yep. This one's dollar seventy eight. You know, <laughs> yeah. yeah. 
but it's just cool that those decisions are getting made for, you know, for ease of ease of everybody's job and ease of everybody's consumption, yeah, I guess. That, that shared UPC code too, a huge benefit. It helps us react quicker to consumer demand. Meaning like right now we have some road slush out. If it sells quicker than we anticipated, we already have that packaging in house that we just have to brew a batch of beer, which isn't easy to do. But mm-hmm. once they, we brew it up, we can bottle it and we're not waiting on our supplier partners to get us the bottles or the six pack here. It's already in house. So we can react very quick, which is a huge benefit for us. Yeah, absolutely. Because it, it does. It changes that quickly. Uh, when How much inventory you need and you, you think you have the forecast right. And then all of a sudden something takes off like like it does. And all of a sudden it's like, oh, man, we need we need twice as much. Yep. We need it tomorrow. How do we how do we do this? So. <laughs> Make so, so for, a, so essentially for a, for a brewery that's grown from, you know, I mean, we're sitting, we record here in Riverside and we've grown into two, uh, two breweries and, and sort of become a regional size as far as barrels produced, yep. you know, there's still a nimbleness to it. There's, sure. there's still being able to turn sort of like being able to turn the Titanic on a dime, I guess. Yeah. Like today we're actually at the brewery cause we're doing our forecast for March to see how much our distributors need. And what we, we did today was we looked to see what road slush inventory was because our goal is to make sure all 11 wholesalers run out at the same time. Mm-hmm. So we will try to move product around to make sure everybody has the same uh, days of supply that we end on the same time frame. So I think that you can only afford to do that because we're in one state. If you yeah. were in multiple states, like, well, there's just no way you can keep track. Not of at all. No. Good luck. Yeah. It's so expensive. I mean, yep. It'd be, it'd be insane to pull a pallet back from, you know, a distributor in California. So everyone ran out at the same time. That would, it just wouldn't be feasible for, for most. And we have that luxury that we Yep. We can do that. Well, yeah, and it seems like the maintaining of all these relationships, the maintaining of, uh, and, and we talked to, when I had Deb and Dan on, when we were talking about the wassail for the, the special release mm-hmm. here in Nuclearis, um, they were talking about specifically, you know, why the date code essentially got switched from being, you know, a numeric uh, just date mm-hmm. to, to, to the code that it is now. And essentially it was just all about the distributors knowing when to pull it back so that, that, yeah. that, that, that job was just made easier on them. For so. sure. So ensuring the, the the freshness would just be out there. Yep. Yeah. And that, I mean, once again, it all comes back to making sure the beer is always the freshest and I'm going to take a page from you. I think I'm going to start rambling, but something I'm super, was that an insult? No, no, I don't you're, think you're so. You're doing a great job. You no. said it. I'm just joining. I, I, I am a world-class <laughs> rambler. Well, it's, it's what I do. Join our team. Yeah. <laughs> you can be part of the road dogs, but something that I give Dan and Deb so much credit for in the state, uh, Wisconsin, there really isn't a law about cleaning draft lines. Mm-hmm. And Deb noticed there was this void there and we hired a guy named Ben Geistart probably almost uh, 13 years ago. And his sole job when he started was to go out and educate line cleaners on how to clean draft lines. Because if you wanted to be a line cleaner tomorrow, you could start it and there's no certification for it. Oh, okay. So Deb took it upon herself to like really try to clean up the the state of Wisconsin and the quality there. Cause that's the worst part. I think when we go to bars, uh, a lot of times you'll, you'll see that our beer is fresh and perfect all the way to the last six feet of draft line. And then that customer has a bad experience and it always goes back to something, something happened at the brewery, not at that establishment. So trying to really be proactive. Well, I mean, it's probably not something on the top of a lot of people's heads of of like, Oh yeah, the beer has to travel from a keg through a line into a tap and how well that line maintained is maintained makes a world of difference big time. And we're probably one of the only breweries out there trying to help them to make sure that every ounce of beer they're pouring is beer. A lot of times it's not even an issue with quality. It's an issue with the system. And all of a sudden they're pouring foam. Mm -hmm. They dump the foam down the drain. And all of a sudden our barrel isn't as profitable as they want it to be. And we're like, wait a minute, let's, 
let's help you figure out why we want you to make every yep. ounce of, of, of money off that keg as you possibly can. And I don't think there's many other breweries that are, that are out there uh, that concerned. Everyone's big word is depletions. And as long as that beer gets, gets bored, everyone's happy, but it's like, no, we, we make really great beer. We want people to drink it. We don't want to, just dump it down the drain. And we want the accounts more. to stay in business. You got to make yeah. money. What good well, is uh, going through a barrel if they shut down the next week because you're not profitable? Yeah. You know? Yeah. Well, and um, I, as we're coming up to it, I do have a couple of, uh, other uh, couple of questions I, I wanted to ask you guys. So, in, in uh, you know, I know uh, every account is going to be your favorite, but in your in, in your respective areas, uh, what are are there some bars and taverns you just love going into? Some relationships you've built that you just really value uh, when you're out there on the road, sort of like you know the 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 oasis on the the big long stretch yeah. of, of yellow dotted lines going underneath your wheels. Or our sales team picks on me and they say I only go to stores, which is kind of <laughs> true. But I mean, our our single largest store in the state is the Woodman's in Kenosha on mm-hmm. Highway 50 down there. And like I said, I think that's the place I walk in and there's, there's, they have the world's largest Nuglaris display. I believe last time it was like almost 2,900 cases on oh, the floor wow. Guinness, at all times. Guinness book certified. Too, Is right? it really? I'm pretty sure. Did you just put it in the book? I'm, I'm pretty well, sure they did. It works for me. But if it's not, we're saying it here now. Yeah. <laughs> but that, I mean, you got the, the Woodman's down there. I mean, Discount Liquor and Otto's in Milwaukee. You, you got Ray's. Uh, Mars Cheese Castle down oh, in yeah. Kenosha is a huge account for us. And it's just, it's so fun to see all these tourists coming in, buying our beer and taking it home. It's like, thanks for supporting us. We appreciate it. You know? Yeah. I think it's incredible. Like I said, I mean, you can walk into you know any dive bar in the in the state for the most part and they, they have at least one of our product kind of things or yep. you go into the craftiest of of the top 100, I know for a while there were a couple in Milwaukee that made the yep. craftiest places in, in the country and they supported us as well. So I think, I mean, anybody on the, on the map is, is worth popping into and, and saying, thank you. For sure. They usually carry something from us. And then my, uh, my second question is, is that, you know, it, it's funny. I'll, I'll, I'll see, uh, comments out there. And like, one of the things I just love about New Glarus is you can go any bar, they're going to have spotted cow on tap. It's just, you can, you can guarantee, you can yeah. guarantee it. You're at least going to get spotted cow on tap. But there's very rare. I think I know of like one place you might, you might not be able to, but for the most part, yes. Uh, if you, if you had the power to just put a second New Glarus line, not that there isn't two in, in most places, but in place that only has spotted cow on tap, if you had the power to just put a second line on, which which one would it be? I'm going to go first because I, I, I'm going to steal his, I'm sure. But Moon Man, I think that's yeah. almost all of us at the brewery. It's like if if we're going to drink a beer for a day, it's, it's almost always Moon Man. Moon Man first. I think that's one of the brands that there, there are a lot of accounts out there that, that pour cow. And that'll be our, our ask is, hey, can we have a second? And the common response is often, well, you guys already have a draft line. I, I got to support some other people as well. And in our minds, it's, yeah, but we sell a ton of beer. Like yeah. put, put on things that, that turn quicker. And if, if we're not that, then great, but at least give us a shake at it and see, see mm-hmm. what happens for you. So I think for most of us, it would probably be moon man as a, as a second. We'd love to see Cal and moon man. Next yeah. I, I think for sure. Moon man is that one. Cause I think it gets lost behind spotted cow. Cow has yeah. become this iconic Wisconsin drink, but let's just say we didn't have spotted cow and we were led with moon man. Well, moon man in the state would be the fifth largest brewery selling beer. Really? So it just gets, moon man, moon man alone. So it gets lost behind all these, uh, other brands and then, and spotted cow itself. I mean, I think we just presented it last week at our meeting, but moon man is the single largest hop forward beer in the state of Wisconsin. And it's almost three times larger than the, the guy in number two. Oh. So, but it's amazing. So I mean, Moon Man is that one. It's got a lot of opportunity for growth, but 
if if it also if you're asking what beer, I mean, I love Serendipity. It's probably my hands oh, yeah. down favorite beer, and it was a happy accident. And I think that's probably why I like it. My parents always called me Serendipity. So I don't know <laughs> if there was a little story there, but maybe brings, I, I'm sure there is. That's that's a different podcast, I believe. But yeah. that would be my my go to that cranberry apple cherry. We have to beer. take you from birth to when they wouldn't let you get into the army. <laughs> it's gonna be a long, get some drinks. It's gonna be a long podcast. New players. Be sure. There you go. Look at that. A moon man. Well, my dark horse is always always two women because I think yep. I just think it's such a great a it great is. beer. It's a, it, it's dark. It, it's got a nice dark color. It's very malty. Very f- feels full to me. It's great, yep. and I and I love Moon Man because I can crush you know for sure a couple of those in a row and be like, all right, I'm feeling. Yep. I'm not I'm not feeling like I need to take a nap now. <laughs> but for me, two two women is always the dark horse contender because I love that beer. I've fallen in love with two women. I'm, I'm a huge Oktoberfest fan, right? I'm, oh I'm yeah, mm-hmm. Schumacher. I think you can tell where what part of the world my family came from. Um, yeah, so Oktoberfest season is always my favorite and I I always you know make sure I tuck a few extra staghorn in the back of the fridge but they, they never last long nope. enough so you're absolutely right I, I drink a lot of two women when it when I don't have that fix of, of Oktoberfest today oh yeah St- staghorn is great and one of the one of my yearly uh, duties is um, uh, is helping Dan tap the Oktoberfest keg here and it's it always fills me with dread and then a couple of staghorns usually like <laughs> calm that down so I can get up uh, I can get up there and stand stand next yep. to it go pour some beer yep uh, well, thank you guys for your time. I, you, I know you're you're very busy, uh, very busy guys, and we'll get you guys back out on, on the road there. Appreciate it. All right, you guys have a good one. Thanks so much. Okay.